This is a podcast from Bodies of Data, intersecting medical and digital humanities. This Irish Humanities Alliance Conference, a collaboration with University College Dublin and Dublin Institute of Technology, took place in the Royal Irish Academy and in the UCD Humanities Institute on the 22nd and 23rd of November 2018. The conference addressed the emerging discipline of the medical humanities at the intersection between arts and humanities and the biomedicine which explores the social, historical and cultural dimensions to medicine. Podcasting of the conference was by Real Smart Media. In this podcast, data, stories and the clinical encounter. A paper presented by Dr. Suzanne Mickel from Charité Berlin, a collaboration with Dr. Anita Vullmann from SDU. Denmark. So I'm very delighted to be here at this inspiring conference and um, I'm also delighted to present our work. As uh, Justin has mentioned, um, it is a collaborative work with my colleague from Denmark, Anita Wohlmann, who could unfortunately could not be here. And Anita has a background in literary studies and narrative medicine. And I'm, a, um, I'm working in the field of uh, medical humanities at the University, University Medical Center, uh, Charité Berlin. Um, and I'm also a clinical ethics consultant. So I'm uh, dealing with, uh, yeah, usually um, end-of-life issues. Um, so, and we approach this topic from this double perspective. Um, it is by now a truism to say that the clinical encounter is increasingly shaped by digital technologies, automated procedures, and uh, data processing. Contrary to this digital healthcare revolution where data, uh, data dominates, there is another more subtle movement which aims at re-emphasizing the importance of storytelling. Humanity scholars, along with sympathetic medics, are reassessing the value of stories in all its manifestations. So what we would like to do today, so I would like to do today, or we, Anita and me, uh, is to unsettle this divide between data and story. Our focus is on translational work that happens between uh, these poles uh, in clinical encounters. So these transfer processes are consciously or unconsciously part of the daily routine of clinical practitioners, and of course also for me as an ethics consultant. Um, so they are rarely in the focus of humanities scholarship. And this work is particularly important in moments of clinical decision-making that uh, are characterized by contradictory demands, such as on the one hand, the urgency to make a decision, the, to take action, or even I would say the impossibility to, to not make a decision. And on the other hand, the invitation for nuanced interpretations of meanings. So when we speak of data and stories, there is this common, widely used understanding of these terms. And on this slide here, you can see this conspicuous divide in the discourses of different scientific uh, cultures. So data are associated with values just uh, such as objective, cool, raw, clean, pure, exact, and of course, the hard sciences. And on the other side, stories appear with modifiers such as subjective, messy, complex, layered, vague, or ambiguous. But this is a very strict and uh, maybe simplistic separation of data and story. Um, I think this separation is not altogether wrong, but it all um, does not entirely reflect uh, the reality. So for example, it's quite obvious that data and stories are typically entangled. Um, 
data are embedded in stories and vice versa. So in the clinic, we encounter them in mixed interwoven forms. And what is even more, there are stories hidden in data. Think of the whole debate on uh, uh, racist data or racist algorithms or sexist data. And uh, on the other hand, uh, one story can be seen as one part of a data set. So without losing the properties of a story, um, think of a database of patient experiences, state depicts. So what, what, what happens if they change roles, if there's this role reversal? So we propose to think of data in a, another way, maybe a more productive way, namely in terms of movements. A movement from storm, a story to data, which implies the attempt to reduce, purify, cleans from interferences, disturbances, condense, to cut the irrelevant from the relevant. And on the other side, um, from, um, there's this movement from data to story, which implies the attempt to complicate, to thicken, to layer, to create causal connections, and to interpret and to flesh out. By looking at transfer movements rather than two separate entities, we become aware of the fuzziness of this dichotomy, and we can direct our attention to the similarity of processes that are at work. So if it's true, one might ask that scientists reduce stories to data to get at something pure and raw, a similar gesture of reduction and purification can be observed in the work of many literary writers and poets. After all, poetry is uh, a condensed, concise form. It's a product of uh, a meticulous reduction. So, in, of course, in the world of poetry and prose, reduction leads to ambiguities and opens up multiple interpretation, but perhaps in the world of data and data science, the same process is at work. Um, so, um, uh, for a testing ground for our hypothesis, we have chosen two texts representative of our respective academic cultures. These are very different texts. One is an ethics case, and the other a literary text. And in our uh, analysis, we will use this ambivalence that we find in the notion of reduction as both a purifier and a complicator. But before we go uh, uh, into our analysis, here is a short introduction um, to um, these texts. So the case we have chosen for this talk was published in Ethic in a Medicine, Ethics in Medicine in 2002 under the title On the Question of a Family Doctor's Ethical Duties in Response to a Patient's Refusal to, to Treatment. The case describes uh, a 70-year-old man who, despite the likely diagnosis of a life-threatening uh, condition, namely prostate cancer, refuses further diagnostic procedures. The case presentation describes uh, the results of various measurements, blood pressure, heart rate, blood levels, and the reader learns through three instances of direct reported speech, uh, which functions very similarly to the blood test results as, as, as bits of information and, and also moments of crisis. So the, the report ends by quoting the patient who says, if it hits you, it hits you. Uh, and there is this uh, implicit question here, how should the family doctor behave in the case of non-compliance? So the second text is uh, Wolfgang Herndorf's Arbeit und Struktur, Work and Structure. Herndorf is a German writer. Uh, of short stories and novels. Um, he, started, um, uh, he started work and structure as a blog in March 2010, and a month earlier he had received the diagnosis of a glioplastoma. So his life expectancy became a continuous point of negotiation over the next months and years. 
And a post on August 2013 marks the end of Herndorf's blog and life. He committed suicide. The blog chronicles the many doctor visits and treatment, uh, treatments Herndorf underwent. So Herndorf um, also quotes statistics on survival rates and studies on the efficacy, uh, efficacy of new treatment options and reports on blood tests, MRI scans, the side effects of chemotherapy, radiation, and drugs. So in our analysis, we are asking, how does the concept of reduction uh, work in these two texts? What are the traces of the reduction process? Or in other words, how does reduction become visible in the text? So we will fo focus on uh, five moments or, or dimensions of uh, reduction. Um, so I think the, the, the first two or three are probably the most obvious, and therefore I will go um, through uh, them um, quickly. So there is this um, shortness brevity. Um, both texts reduce the length of what actually happened. We can assume that the original course of events was more detailed and took longer. So the reduction here occurs in terms of space, that is the number of words used, and time, that is the discourse time, the time you need to read about the events. It's much uh, shorter than the story time, the actual sequence and length of events. So we are dealing with a summary of the actual events and presumably irrelevant information is left out and only relevant information is presented. Both texts also use an objective, distant tone. This is less surprising for the case where the doctor, quite typically for a um, clinical case or clinical ethics case, entirely retreats behind the case and renders himself invisible. In Herndorf's texts, uh, too, we encounter a narrator who is often uh, remarkably laconic and cool. When Herndorf summarizes his Google search, for example, he assumes an almost neutral stance and weighs different findings against one another. And of course, the third gesture of reduction in the two texts is the reproduction and quite blatant cutting and pasting of test results, statistics, and visual graphs. Instead of summarizing or describing the numbers uh, or statistics in their own words, both texts make use of lists and visual graphs, which are reductions in themselves. So what is, for me, even more interesting is uh, the fourth and the fifth instance of reduction. We are zooming out of the individual texts and consider how the texts function within the genres or textual forms they are part of. And in this sense, we understand the episodic nature of the text as a trace of a reduction movement. The case is but a glimpse into the patient's life, typical of the episodic nature of the clinical encounter. The focus in Mr. A's case description is a medical viewpoint that foregrounds the temp uh, temporally defined moment of the medical encounter and eclipses most of what happens before or after. And I think in clinical ethics consultation or these end-of-life decisions, we are particularly struggling with this tension between, between this diachronic and episodic uh, uh, aspect or nature. So we try to be diachronic in order to embed the decision in the, within the patient's life, and at the same time, we, we, have, or we have to be or cannot not be um, episodic. So similarly, in Herndorf's block entries uh, are, um, are short episodic glimpses into his life. They are fragments whose digital timestamp draws our attention to the 
exact time and date in which the entries were posted and possibly conceived. <clears throat> Importantly, and this brings us to our fifth dimension of reduction, the individual blog posts with their digital timestamps and the case of Mr. A are part of a series of blog posts and cases. As episodes within a larger series, the texts themselves are part of a seriality which renders them into forms of data themselves. The case of Mr. A needs to be stripped of additional information so that the variables and parameters of the case became comparable to other cases in a larger um, uh, casuistry, casuistry, I think this is the pronunciation, I don't know, which makes it possible to discuss the moral reasoning and the implicit principles behind decision-making and processes. So in this sense, the case of Mr. A is part of a larger data set, and the many reductions that are at work in it are the condition for its existence as a case. So in a very similar way, in Handoff's text, the individual block entries do not only use the data aesthetic of the digital context in which they are published. The block entries are also the building blocks of a larger block project. From this perspective, the two texts we discussed here are in a way a form of data too. So both texts are working with reductions on the level of shortness, both in space and time, uh, on the level of style, uh, the use of numbers and graphs, their genre, episodic, fragmentary nature, and that is simultaneously inscribed in a seriality of other cases and other block entries. The texts are thus using data and they appropriate uh, a data aesthetic and their data themselves. So as we have argued earlier, there is another side to reduction uh, in which the gesture of reduction and condensation makes the information thick rather than pure, dense and enigmatic rather than transparent. And this dimension of reduction is active in our texts too. In the clinical ethics case, the reduction is remarkably productive. This productivity becomes visible in the um, commentary that follows the brief one-page case reports. On a total of five pages, a GP, a pastor, and an internist describe their positions towards the case. Uh, in their uh, commentaries, they select uh, phrases or other types of information which they find puzzling uh, and they speculate on the possible meanings. For example, the fact that the patient mentioned his mother suggests to some of the commentators that there might be a deeper psychological trauma which may add to the patient's non-compliance and might provide a clue to the case. And similarly, in Wolfgang Herndorf's blog entries, the rejections are productive. For example, Herndorf personifies the Karnofsky performance scale uh, performance score, sorry, which is a scale to quantify and evaluate a patient's health status and make predictions for his or her ability to survive chemotherapy. So Handoff never explains in the blog uh, what Karnofsky is. Instead, the Karnofsky scale is personified and the technical scale assumes the role of an old friend or travel companion. So the productivity of this personification lies in the fact that rather than reducing a complex health status into a number, the personification adds a sense of humor or playfulness. It also unsettles the validity, appropriateness, and usefulness of numeric scales in the lived reality of a disease. And last but not least, the personification is used at the end of a block entry that listed one study after another without producing any clear results or answers. Uh, 
in a moment of de uh, defiance, one might say, Herndorf gives up on trying to make sense of the contradictory survival rates and concludes the block entry by stating 30, 70, whatever, old Karnofsky and I are going by taxi anyway. We have argued that it is worthwhile to study more closely not only the properties and, uh, of the two entities, data and stories, but also the transfer movements and translational work that is done within these texts and in a clinical context. After all, clinicians do this on a daily basis. So, um, and I'm, I'm very uh, supportive, um, as you have noticed, of uh, the idea and the call we heard yesterday to involve medicine in that enterprise, medical humanity, uh, humanities. What is more, by applying the uh, concepts of reduction, um, both in humanities and in clinical practice, we can hopefully overcome the debate on biomedical reductionism, um, Brandon Kelly uh, mentioned yesterday, which takes more a form of, of uh, I don't know, doctor bashing than a real dialogue. So I, th I think we can pull medicine into this dialogue. But still, there are differences. As humanity scholars, we are uh, eager to increase complexity. Uh, in medicine, uh, you, you are confronted with complexity, and uh, you have to find a way to reduce complexity in a good way to come to a good decision for the patient. So I think uh, these are really two opposite um, movements, perhaps. So this is uh, a work-in-progress uh, project, uh, and of course, uh, there are other um, aspects or concepts we are thinking about. Uh, we are not quite sure yet. Um, but that might be productive in, in translation. Um, in our paper, we suggested that translational work occurs on an axis or spectrum uh, between data and stories, and uh, reduction functions like a regulator or controller, and uh, now we, we ask what could be other regulators or controllers. And for example, fictionalization or factionalization are similarly ambivalent concepts where the boundaries have been destabilized and challenged over the past decades. So the processes involved in fictionalizing or factionalizing may be productive form of translation too, but this is material for at least two other papers. And, uh, but is, it is uh, material as well for a workshop we are planning uh, in Berlin in, uh, on data and stories, and uh, we would like to bring together uh, scholars from the humanities, but also from data science, from digital studies, uh, from medicine, uh, and uh, to see if we can have a kind of methodological cross-fertilization of different, different methods. So it will be on mixed methods as well. And of course, you're warmly invited to Berlin next year. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Bodies of Data intersecting medical and digital humanities. This Irish Humanities Alliance Conference, a collaboration with University College Dublin and Dublin Institute of Technology, took place in the Royal Irish Academy and in University College Dublin Humanities Institute on the 22nd and 23rd of November 2018. For more information on the Irish Humanities Alliance, go to irishhumanities.com.